and with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. When Judas had left them, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and God will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little while longer. I give you a new commandment, love one another. As I have loved you, so you also should love one another. This is how all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the first reading you see that St. Paul was quite the traveler. We hear about Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, Pisidia, Pompilia, Perga, Natalia, and from there they sailed to Antioch. Certainly, St. Paul got around. He was a great missionary. And yet what's interesting in the early church is that wherever Paul went, he felt that he had to go back and establish an order in his communities. He had to write letters to the communities about being brothers and sisters, one family, one church, not individuals going about their own way. And so in the first reading, we see that Barnabas and Paul appointed elders for them in each church the prayer and fasting and commended them to the Lord in whom they have put their faith. And so they had a sense of appointing bishops to take care of communities. I think this is a very important for us Catholics to realize that the church needs structure. Christ gave structure to the church. Uh, Jesus appointed apostles to govern and Peter to strengthen the apostles, the other apostles, as Pope Benedict. I've uh, seen Pope Francis now is challenged to strengthen his brother bishops and through them the communities of the church. Authority has been given by Christ to the church. There is a hierarchy, and uh, there also that, that in the family as well. We know that uh, even the, the mothers and fathers is a commandment to protect their authority, honor your father and your mother. So the church is hierarchical. But at the same time, the church needs to be one family, one, one faith, um, one baptism, one Lord and God and Father of all. And we have to work towards this unity. Which brings us to the gospel today. And Jesus said, the world will know that you are disciples uh, by your love for one another. By your love for one another. We can have many forms of Christian uh, denominations, many uh, people claiming, uh, professing the faith, but until we all practice this new commandment of love one one another, the church cannot fulfill its mission uh, in completion. And so uh, the problem today for many is that uh, we call ourselves Christians, but we're really uh, focusing on uh, lifestyle, our own version of it. Uh, rather than the practice of uh, unconditional love for one another. So just think, first of all, how easy this commandment is uh, that Jesus gives to the church. 
But if you ponder it for the rest of your life, you'll see how uh, we need help from God to live it. Jesus says, as I have loved you, there's the example, there's the, the, the model of love, uh, here the altar, the sacrifice, uh, so you also should love one another. We approach the altar, receive Holy Communion, we pray that by receiving the body and blood of Jesus, we may give our lives away, that we will be content with the Lord as our inheritance. That's the word cleric, uh, which I'm a cleric, priests and deacons and bishops are called clerics, uh, comes from a Greek word kleros, which means inheritance. So we're supposed to claim that the Lord is our inheritance, what else do we need? And yet that, I think that applies to all of us. Um, the Lord is, is to be all in all, all of all in us, so that we may be able to give all of Him uh, and to our lives to the world. One thing that's not explicit in this gospel today, or in the, the other readings, is that before we can love others, we must first realize that we are loved. Now, the little kids will say, well, God loves me. But the devil will always get in there and say, well, yeah, but you're, you're not doing the right thing, so God must be, uh, his love must be limited. As long as you perform well or do well, um, then God will be happy. And yet God, God's love never diminishes. In fact, the idea of the divine mercy is that God's love intensifies for those who are even farther away from him. The Son of Man did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. So Jesus' mission is not necessarily to judge. There will be justice in the end, but his mission is a mission of mercy. And so it's mercy uh, that he desires in our lives. Um, it's mercy that we must understand. Mercy is actually the word that comes from uh, in Spanish or in Latin, misericordia. Comes from those three words to give one's heart to the miserable. Miseris cordare, uh, to give one's heart to the miserable. This is what God is doing to us. He's giving, the Father is giving us His heart. The heart of the Father is the Son, and the Father and the Son and the heart. Their love is in the person of the Holy Spirit. To realize, first and foremost, that we are loved, so we can complete this commandment, that we can fulfill this commandment uh, that the Lord gives us. So what does that look like if I say that first to believe in the love of God and to practice the love of God in our lives so that we may love one another as Jesus has loved us? Well, in, the daily, in our daily lives, most of us find ourselves distracted thinking that I'll be happy if, uh, if this team wins or I'll be happy if it doesn't rain today. I'll be happy if all these circumstantial things around us work out the way I hope they will, will be and then I'll be happy. Which is, St. Paul, on the contrary, encourages the, the Christian uh, community that says, it is necessary for us to undergo any hardships to enter the kingdom of God. So we should realize that all these little things that don't go our way around us are for our good. They're to help us become holy, to help us become uh, better people, and not only that, we can take all those problems, all those inconveniences, all the things that try our patience, all the little insults and all these um, other things that affect us in a negative way, 
And we can use them in a loving way, offer them up for the salvation of souls. For instance, when I was little, my parents used to say, when I ever wanted to complain about something, my mom and dad used to say, well, just offer it up. Well, that wasn't too encouraging, but I had to learn how to say, well, there's some value in the suffering. And then they said, well, offer it up. And I said, who do I offer it up for? And they said, well, how about the poor souls in purgatory? By the time I reached about 10 years of age, I thought there were no more souls in purgatory. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, offer it up. You see that the, the circumstances around us are not that important to us as much as the love that's in our hearts, the love that God gives us. It's love that really makes the world go round. It's love that is uh, the most important thing for us. But to realize that we are loved is very important. And to take time to let ourselves to be loved. Let God give to our hearts. I know all of you here probably want to be great lovers. In the best sense of that word, lovers. Great givers. Be very generous and all this. But we have that image of the vine, which is Christ, and we as the branches. Unless the branches remain connected to the vine, the branches can't produce fruit. They like this fruit, it's great seeing its life from the vine. And so unless we are connected regularly to Jesus Christ, in our lives, our life of prayer, um, then perhaps we will not be able to not only fulfill the mission, but we'll not be able to do it with great joy. It's the love of God that gives us great joy. It's, it's what God is pouring into us that should fill us. Remember what Jesus did? On the first day of God's gospel of the resurrection, first he gave peace to his, uh, twice he said peace to his uh, apostles, and then he breathed on them, he breathed, breathed new life into them, and said, receive the Holy Spirit, and then sent them out with this power within them to uh, bind and lose to create sins. Uh, what God is doing in us is most important, and uh, we hear that finally in the first First letter of St. John, who says, uh, It's not we who have loved God, but God who has loved us. And that's important. So we get into our daily lives, and what happens? We get distracted. And you say, I have time this week for one hour to come to Mass. Or I got time at the end of the day to say my prayers. Or I got this much time for the Lord. My patron saint, St. Bernard, says that. Um, we should see our lives not like a canal, like a canal is like a channel where water flows in and out at the same rate. It retains nothing. This is basically the water enters and leaves. And uh, he says that's not the way to live our life. He says that we should uh, see ourselves as reservoirs where we wait, we spend time praying. I'm not saying you need to be monster or anything like that. We spend time praying and waiting for that sense of fullness. And so we're always, always acting for the sense of fullness. And then the love that is filled, filling us overflows. But we never feel empty. We retain, you might say, the great joy. Love is expressed in joy to the other, to in the way we live our lives. So we say, it doesn't matter whether today things didn't go my way. I have the Lord. He is my inheritance. Well, we have to take that time to pray. How that works in your daily lives is something for each and every one of us to figure out. For me, I know if I start the day early in the morning, 
and I get up at a little holy hour again in the time, they alone with the Lord, my day goes usually pretty well. It's usually I have a sense of fullness. But if I don't do that, I start to get up with running and hastening and trying to get stuff done, and trying to say, I can't wait till get to the end of the day, and when I'm exhausted, I look up the day and say, well, Lord, I've only got 10 minutes now for, for you. So somehow in our lives, we have to kind of regiment, or you might say, look at how we are living, and say, hey, where is the space in my life where I need to be filled by God? We're just moving and moving and moving. Um, and St. Paul, of course, was moving and moving and moving. But he could also say things like, for me, life is Christ, and even death is gain. Um, St. Paul is a, um, I'm convinced that nothing separates the love of Christ, not a trial or whatever. Nothing's going to separate uh, from the love of Christ. In a way, we would say St. Paul was a great contemplative in action. He knew the mission. He knew where his is. He might say, being led by the Holy Spirit, he knew where he had to go. And one time, actually, in the Acts of the Apostles, he didn't go to a certain place because the Holy Spirit prevented him from going there. But he was in tune with the first thing that he was going to be a good apostle. He had to be a good contemplative, a man filled with the things of heaven, the, things, the graces that the Lord gave him. So, brothers and sisters, this is a, a challenge for us in the gospel to love one another as Jesus has loved us. And if we all did that perfectly, the world would be perfect. But uh, perhaps we need to ask God for the strength, first and foremost, to, to do the mission. And so today let us pray that we may be reservoirs where the love of God wells up in us and flows out what we do and we never feel empty.